Welcome to the CHGO Fire Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome back to CHGO Fire. I'm your host, Alex Campbell. Thrilled to be back for Season 2. A quick rundown before we get started. I'm joined by Tyler Terrens, former voice of the Chicago Fire, currently one of the illustrious crew of the coverage of Major League Soccer on Apple TV Plus MLS Season Pass. Tyler is our first guest co-host of this season. We're going to mix it up a bit in every episode. Someone like Tyler, maybe a player, maybe someone from out in the world, the community of Chicago soccer is going to join me as we talk about all things fire and beyond. Tyler, thanks so much for coming back on the show and finding some time in between your very busy travel schedule these days to talk some Chicago fire. Listen, it's it's good to be back, um, and and great to not have Pat here either. Um, I must say, this is gonna be this is gonna be a blast with just me and you because he just he just ruined it last time. But anyway, no, yeah, shout no, out to Pat, Pat McCraney, who who we believe is watching somewhere. CHGO Fire Emeritus, definitely gonna try to get Pat on the show at some point or two over the course of the season. So a quick rundown today, given that this is our first podcast back, we're going to run through what was a very busy and still ongoing off season for the fire. And then a bit later, we'll get into the fires opening season draw with NYCFC with the big storyline from that being that about half of the fire starting 11, unfortunately had to exit the match with various injuries. But, but Tyler, we've got to start with the, what I believe is officially the most lucrative off season in the history of Major League Soccer, Gaga Slanina to Chelsea, 10 million could rise to 15. We knew about that one after he came back on loan. And then John Duran goes to Aston Villa for a potential $22 million, could be tied for the second largest outgoing transfer in MLS history. Gaga's mostly been playing for the Chelsea U21s. He's got four appearances there. John Duran making sporadic appearances in the Premier League off the bench. For you, though, Tyler, these are from your kind of perspective, which one of these transfers do you think is kind of the, the bigger one, the most impactful? Because on the one hand, you've got a homegrown player, a goalkeeper leaving for a big sum. But on the other hand, you know, John Duran was the leading source of goals down the stretch for this team last year. Impactful is an interesting word. And if we're talking about, you know, impacting the fire lineup and what they're capable or not capable of doing now, then it's, then it's Duran. Um, because of what you just said, there was a goal scoring problem last year. That's not a secret. Ezra's mentioned that in countless different um, media opportunities. And John Duran was the guy was the guy at 18 years old last year. Even though the fire brought in Casper Shabilko, um, who everybody expected to be an, a regular goal scorer, and everybody was crying for an MLS veteran who knows how to pull the ball in the back of the net, and it simply hasn't panned out that way yet. You never know. This league and can can turn on the, can turn on its head in a second, but. Yeah, I mean, it has to be Duran, right? I mean, like not only not only because of how much it impacts the fire roster now needing to find a you know a number nine DP, which is you know the only thing that continues to circulate fire transfer rumors on Twitter, but because he is playing immediately. Like we we don't know if Gaga's gonna you know when he when or if he's ever going to break into the Chelsea starting eleven, um, but for John Duran to come on against Manchester city a few weeks ago and hit the crossbar <laughs> with a ridiculous effort. Like that's it's impactful, not only because the fire miss it, but it's impactful because this kid, you know, week one of the 2022 season didn't know what planet he was on. He looked, he looked like a lost puppy. And then, you know, 33 weeks later, he's terrorizing every center back in the league. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to see those two transfers for that amount of money 
exit um, the way that they did. And, you know, a credit to the front office, the credit to the previous front offices uh, for signing Gaga Slonina when he was 14 to a homegrown contract and everybody who's helped him along the way. Yeah, it, it took a village to, to get to this point, but two massive, massive sales. Yeah, to your point about Duran stepping into the lineup for Aston Villa, I think the moment that I was like, oh, they're taking this very seriously and they're going to play him is they sold Danny Ings, a veteran, experienced, reliable source of goals in the Premier League. Not an easy thing to find. Ings has been that guy for six or seven teams now who you can slot in there and he's going to score goals. And they let him leave to go to relegation-threatened West Ham because they brought John Duran in. So that's quite the vote of confidence. And then, yeah, to your point with Gaga, currently playing with the U21s, I'm sure there's an eye right now for him on the U20 World Cup, which is coming up in May. He seems like a prime candidate, given that he's not on loan anywhere from Chelsea to play at that. We'll see if he moves in the summer. So those two were the headlines, but there were some other departures. Chinozo 04 goes to Montreal for a small transfer fee. Boris Sekulich, right back, rejoins his former club, Gornik Zabre on a free. Stanislav Ivanov goes back to Bulgaria. John Espinoza ends up at Lugano. Andre A.J. Reynolds is still without a club, unfortunately, which is really surprising. I think a USL championship team could really use his skill set and his versatility. When, when you kind of think about these departures, Tyler, I mean, the thing to me that sticks out was the total clear out of the right back position. But otherwise, this, this kind of seems like I think what a lot of fans would have expected in terms of who would not be back from this team from last year. No, it, it, it does make sense. I don't really think there were any surprises. And the clear out at the right back position um, was was effectively just getting rid of Boki because he was he's, he was the most consistent performer just in terms of being on the field. I'm not talking about quality of performances. I'm just talking about the fact that where did he start 32 out of 33 games last year. Yeah, he year was there a lot. He was there a lot. But the other thing is, is that Miguel Navarro is a fantastic defender. We could talk about, um, you know, what, what he can and can't do on, on and off the ball later. But, like, Boki would love to get forward and didn't have the recovery pace that Miguel Navarro had. So teams just picked the right-hand side of our defense out. And it was just mm -hmm. constantly dump balls in behind, dump balls in behind. And it became a point of emphasis. So, yeah, I mean, you just needed to go out and get somebody with experience and somebody that's going to, you know, be able to fit into the system seamlessly. And they found Arno Suke. And I think defensively, he had some really good moments this past weekend on the ball. He looked a little shaky and that's, you know, to be expected new, new country, new culture. And you hear people talk about it all the time, how difficult it is even at 30 to assimilate. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, all of it makes sense. I mean, 04 never really settled in, even off never settled in. Um, Espinosa didn't end up being what we thought he was going to be. So yeah. these were the guys that were brought in, in between 20 and 21. And when they were brought in, they wanted to stick with continuity. They wanted to keep the core group together. And they felt like they could bring in some pieces that may or may not hit. And they didn't. So, you know, off you go. And, and that's just sort of the, the, the nature of the business. Yeah, Sekulich was interesting because it really seemed like when you looked at the Fires fullbacks, it's like, okay, Sekulich is going to be your more stay-at-home, almost form a back three kind of guy while Navarro pushes forward. And oftentimes it ended up in the reverse where, to your point, Sekulich would end up way off the field. And then Miguel Navarro would end up getting outnumbered on a counterattack going the other way. It just never really worked. And to your point, Espinosa was supposed to be the change of pace, more attacking guy. Ended up, I think, getting more yellow cards than he did anything else in terms of contributions on the stat sheets. But you mentioned Arno Soke, right back signed from Montpellier in France. Played a lot of games for them. Played a lot of games for Nice, so this is a guy with 149 leg-on appearances to his name. Probably the headline of the incoming so far, given that we saw him already start 
You talked about how last year that Casper Shabilko was the bring in an MLS veteran who you know can score goals. I don't think uh, MLS veteran who knows how to score goals suits anybody better than it suits Kai Kamara. Comes in from Montreal. He'd want it out of there. Third all-time leading goal scorer in MLS history. I think maybe to pause on Kai for a minute, beyond just, you know, the goals he can bring, he's just known to be such a positive influence on a team. It's it's hard to know what his impact's going to be, but it really seems like this is a good get for the fire, even if he's not a guy you're expecting to get more than 20 or 30 minutes out of a game. No, without a shadow of a doubt. And and this business, just like any other business, is about who you know and what relationships you previously had. And Ezra and Kai have played together. And mm-hmm. It, and Kai, at, at 38 years old, understands the assignment. He is not going to start and play 90 minutes every single week. That is simply not what he is anymore. What he is is a positive influence in the locker room. And for what it's worth, just a really, really good guy. I mean, yeah. went out of his way to to shake my hand, introduce himself, was asking me questions about the Apple TV thing, and just like was interested in you know, and, and interested in what I had to say. And I was just like, you know, you can go and talk to your boys and, and go do so. This is at the kickoff luncheon. I was like, go, go have fun with them. I was like, I, nothing I have to say is interesting. Um, but he, he, he just seems like a great guy. And, and those are the types of, of players that you want in the locker room. And I've already talked to several coaches within Major League Soccer outside of the fire already. And just one of the big buzz phrases is just locker room guys. How do, how do we create this culture? And Ezra, of course, knows how to create it. But now it's a matter of getting his guys in. Um, and Kai, you know, came on at halftime and I thought he was great. I mean, he's mm-hmm. so active. He's active. I don't know why NYCFC are leaving him unmarked on a set piece when everybody and their mother knew that Shaq was just trying to clip it towards the back post and, and hope. Yeah, it Kai wasn't could. complicated. We'll get, no, we'll get no. to that more later, but it's like, huh, you mean to tell me the six foot four center forward is standing unmarked at the back post? Yeah, yeah. thank you very much. We will, we will gladly just fire a ball at his head and uh, yeah. see what happens from there. The other forward signing, you know, John Duran goes out and in comes, and I'm going to hopefully not mess this up, Georgios Koutsias. I was actually in the fire offices the other day, as a, and I think my favorite part of walking around was hearing Frank Klopas giving a, uh, a lesson to the, the rest of the office on how that name is properly pronounced. A t- Greek U21 international signed from PAOK in Greece, about a $2.5 million transfer fee, and this is going to be interesting to see, I think, Tyler, because, again, with Duran, the bar has been set unreasonably high now for Kutsias to come in as like, hey, you're a striker on this very specific type of contract, and we just sold a guy for a potential $22 million on the deal we are now giving you. So we also, you know, you mentioned that there's still the search for a DP9. That striker room is becoming a little crowded very quickly here, and so it'll be interesting to see where Kutsias fits in once he's in with the squad. Yeah, and, and that that unfortunate expectation and bar that's been set is sort of similar to the Chris Brady situation, right? Oh, yes. he, teenage goalkeeper. Yeah, no, we expect you to stand on your head for the first season of your of your professional career, more or less, at at, at first division, and then be sold to a, to one of the best clubs in the world. Like that, like the unfortunately, these are the expectations that are set, and and it's a good problem to have. But um, for Kutsias, I'm I'm interested to see if he might be able to play on the wing because. If it does get crowded and you have a U22 um, teenager who's coming in and sort of like, you know, needs reps, needs minutes and everything like that, but you are going to bring in a, a DP signing, whether before the winter transfer window closes in, at the end of April. Um, I know that's not the winter anymore, but that's just how Major League Soccer does it. Or if yeah, it's MLS the- primary transfer window. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, 
I'm I'm intrigued. It's a big it's a big transfer fee for for a kid of that age. But mm-hmm. um, let's let's see what he's got, right? I mean, there's no reason to be pessimistic about it because um, because what you said, John Duran coming in and, and immediately did that. I don't expect him to be Duran. He doesn't have that um, build. He doesn't have that profile. But who knows? He could he could end up making an immediate impact, and that's certainly what the Fire need in the attacking third. Yeah, because there was a lot of movement here. This was an interesting move. He was signed from PAOK, but he was actually had to first be recalled. He was on loan at another Greek Super League team, Volos, I believe is their name. And so they recalled him from that loan to sell him to the fire, which, again, a seven-figure transfer fee will make some things move. Um, elsewhere, in terms of the new additions, we've got Marin Halley Selassie, a winger in from FC Lugano, so somebody coming back the other way. In that partnership, I think it's probably best to think of him as an even-off replacement, a guy who's going to go out there, try to run a lot, doesn't have a lot of goal contributions in his Swiss League career. Uh, Jeff Gall, a goalkeeper who's actually from Chicago, but has been living and playing in Sweden for eight years, so he comes in to give some veteran experience alongside Spencer Ritchie in support of Chris Brady in the goalkeeping pool. And then Jonathan Dean, who was signed from Birmingham Legion of the USL Championship, looks like he mostly played as a right wing back in a back three system. So that feels kind of Espinoza-ish. Any of those guys, Tyler, really jump out to you? Hale Selassie feels like the biggest wild card of the group in terms of a guy who could be an even-off who in two years Fire fans forget he ever existed or could come in and really spark something. Almost scored in uh, the opener against NYCFC if not for being offside. Yeah, I, I I think that that's right um, in terms of being an X factor and somebody who could potentially, you know, give you more production to the point where it's going to put you over the top in the attacking third. And listen, like when you look at outside of the DP number nine right now, if you look at what options the fire have coming off the bench, um, what their starting front four looks like, you know, that three and the one striker in the Ezra Hendrickson four, two, three, one. Um I like there's not much more. We'll see what Holly Selassie can do. There's not much more I think you need there other than the DP number nine who's going to get you a bunch of goals, right? Which is easier said than done. But right, like, yeah. Mueller, Gutierrez, Shaq, Guti's ability to play in the 10 if Shaq does get hurt. Um, Kai Kamara coming off the bench. You know, I imagine if the DP number nine striker comes in, then something, like you said, it's crowded. Something's going to have to change. Um, and then Guti is coming in as well. And if he can play on the wing, that's a lot of options. And that's much more depth than... Uh, we saw last year, which is exactly what Ezra Hendrickson wanted to address, because how many times did we see teams come into Soldier Field or when the fire were on the road and changes needed to be made? And there was just such a discrepancy in terms of the quality that the fire were bringing on comparatively to their to their mm-hmm. opposition. So um, I, I'm on board to see what Holly Selassie can do. I know that the front office were really high on him, kept a really close eye on him while he was over at Lugano, the sister club. So um, it, it, listen, it's it's one more piece, I think, in the, in the attacking front of the DP number nine, and then just sort of roll out the ball and say, all right, let's go fight for spots and, and let's see what happens. Yeah, and every day there's a different name being floated around that designated player conversation. Another thing to watch with Guti specifically, I mentioned the U-20 World Cup in May in relation to Gaga Slanina. My guess is that that's going to mean Chris Brady sticks around Major League Soccer, especially if he's playing well for the fire there's, although, who knows, now maybe that Gaga and Chris don't have the same employer. Maybe U.S. soccer can get them both in a camp together at the same time, a thing that has never been possible before. And then Brian Gutierrez is a player who he was not part of the squad for qualifying because the fire wanted to keep him around 
you know, in the kind of the home stretch of last season, but he's going to be another player who is definitely going to be on head coach Mikey Varus's radar and who could receive an invite in May to go off to, I believe, Indonesia is where that tournament is. And so we'll have to keep an eye to see if, uh, if he is called up, if he is released by the fire. Again, for those who aren't familiar, the only competitions clubs have to release players for are senior internationals in FIFA-sanctioned windows. So that would not be one of those. Well, we've alluded, Tyler, to the game against NYCFC several times already, and we will get to that right after I remind everybody that CHGO Fire is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, where if you really enjoy living dangerously, you can bet on every Major League Soccer game with all sorts of prop bets and player and team-specific markets. If you prefer the more predictable soccer leagues out there, they've got markets for all the big leagues from around the world. There's already some Women's World Cup markets available if you want to get a head start on that. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code CHGO. And new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details. So, Tyler, Chicago Fire 1, New York City FC 1. Uh, this looked a lot like the first game of the season in that for the Fire it literally was and for NYCFC in that they are, uh, to use a metaphor, building the airplane as they're flying it. That squad is changing a bunch. We saw, I think, three or four signings for NYC who were signed in the last week make their club debuts in this game. Um, in terms of the lineup for the fire, Chris Brady, we're thinking he's going to get a chance to be the number one. He missed out with a thigh problem after not training with the team for the last several days. And in terms of the starting lineup, though, it was Spencer Ritchie in goal, Arno Soke, Carlos Tehran, Rafael Chijos, and Miguel Navarro across the back line. Fetty Navarro and Jairo Torres in the pivot in midfield. We'll get back to that in a moment. And then the aforementioned Gutierrez, Shakiri. Mueller attacking trio behind Casper Shabilko. I know we had heard a lot of talk, Tyler, and there'd been a lot of speculation over the last year about what is Jairo Torres' actual position. He played often as kind of an advanced eight or a 10 for Atlas in Mexico. We saw him play a lot as a winger for the fire in his appearances last year. And here he comes out in the defensive midfield pivot, partnering Fetty Navarro. I, I guess I wanted to get your reaction as somebody who's watched this team up close and seen as much of Jairo Torres and MLS as anybody of what your initial impression was of seeing Jairo put in that spot. Um, not surprised because I think that we saw it even from the lack of visibility that we had on preseason games when they would release the starting 11 and they do it in order of like left to right along the back line. And then you can sort of delineate where guys are and Jairo was playing in that position and not for nothing. Um, and we'll get to the injury train in a little bit, but like, I I feel so much for the kid because talking to guys on the team and especially in training in the past few weeks, Hyro has been bawling out. Like mm -hmm. guys have been raving about him specifically in that position as well. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the question of where Hyro fits into all of this has been at the time, you know, both from an injury standpoint, whether, whether he was getting minutes or not getting minutes last year and now coming into, into this year, it's like, what exactly is he? He doesn't have the pace. And I think the linear ability to be a winger, um, certainly not like an out and out number 10. And I think what he was playing with Atlas was, was his best position. Like sort of, if you're thinking about Liverpool setup, where mm -hmm. you have the one playing central midfielder and then the two eight ten pivots in front of them, that's where he operates at his best. He wants to play in between the lines. He wants to turn guys. He's got good vision, good technique and those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he can fit into that, but 
It requires a lot of work out of, out of Federico Navarro. I think Jairo also needs to get used to the amount of defensive responsibility that he has there. And we did see it once last year against NYCFC at SeatGeek um, when the fire laid an egg and did not play particularly well on the day. Nobody did, and that includes Jairo. Um, and it just didn't look good. And so I was scratching my head. I was just like, all right, like maybe that was an experiment. I don't know if we'll see this again. But here we were, and then, you know, you weren't even really able to make any sort of judgment on it because Fede goes out in the first 20 minutes, and then Jairo goes out before halftime. So... You know, here we are talking about stuff that it doesn't really even matter at this point because we just hope that they're healthy. Yeah, I mean, most likely if you had to predict, we're probably going to see a Mauricio Pineda guest on Jimenez pivot, I would think, against the Philadelphia Union on Saturday unless there is some rapid healing that takes place. But as you mentioned, we'll get to the injury train in a second. Do want to highlight a few moments from this game. And the first one, uh, not to rag on this guy, but Casper Shabilko is, is gifted a back pass. He's 25 yards from goal. The NYCFC keeper is at the penalty spot. This is a prime chip the keeper opportunity. It's wide open. He chooses to not go with that option. Trips over the ball, cuts back a couple times to evade defenders before eventually blasting high and wide. And you can't really draw up a worst-case scenario for the guy when there's speculation the club is trying to move you on, they're signing all sorts of players in your position, and then you're just gifted this opportunity to maybe just calm the waters, and this only makes things worse. Yeah, it wasn't great. And, you know, I saw it clipped on Twitter, and I was like, oh, boy, like, this is, you know, and Casper is such a good guy, and, and yeah. I have an immense amount of respect for him, and he said that, he feels the best that he's ever felt coming off the back injury. And, you know, he made, he made a joke to me. He was just like, he was like outside of marrying my wife and, and my child. He's like, this is the best decision I ever made to have this back surgery because, and you could tell he's lost some weight. He did look a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough, especially when you, when we've seen what, like three or four instances of, of teams passing directly back to, to, to strikers in prime positions to score. Yes. I'm talking about Charlotte and Austin FC specifically. In yes, hello, to St. Louis. If you're listening, you're welcome, yeah. I guess, for the gifts you've been receiving, but Hey, got to just to that point, like you got to take the gifts and like, you know, yeah. if you've been watching MLS, you've been watching Klaus of St. Louis city, just accept them gratefully and dispatch them and Casper Shabilko didn't in this case yeah and, and when I looked I, I watched it back five times um just because that's simply what my DNA is made out of unfortunately and I was just like all right like if you look back in in retrospect like yes the easiest decision is to chip the keeper but I'm sure just like all of us he wasn't expecting to get the ball so his no. first isn't immediately he has to take a look look back down and see if he has the opportunity to chip where the ball is so that's difficult and then Mueller's barking for the ball after he cuts it back for a second time but at that point if you're Casper like you're not passing that ball because you are you are in on goal you're inside the penalty area and like it's easy for us to sit here and play Monday right. morning or Tuesday morning quarterback and say like you should have done this you should have done that the fact of the matter is is that this is a guy who has struggled to score goals since coming over to the fire and we saw another instance of that but like yeah, the, the whole situation yeah. with him potentially going on the, on the move, that this doesn't help things. But at the same yes. time, like, again, we've seen before how quickly your luck can change in this league. And you hope that that happens for Casper. And, you know, just e even if it, his time is short-lived here and if he is going to go on the move, you want him to score goals and you want him to perform well. Like, it doesn't help anybody. Absolutely. I told you so about Casper. Have no. him put in goals and up his, you know, game value and then send him on his way if that is, in fact, what you're going to do. Or maybe he scores a bunch of goals and you want to keep him. So... Uh, yeah, just uh, tough tough to watch that go down, but but easier said than done. Yeah, and especially because, as you mentioned, with Casper being such a nice guy and feeling so good about his game right now, yeah, I don't think anybody, in even in the fan base, is in the position of, like, I don't think anybody is, like, mad at Casper Shabilko, the person. It's just been 
a frustrating situation over the last now year plus. Uh, in the 39th minute, NYCFC get their goal, and it's just kind of a comedy of errors, really, that allowed this to happen, and maybe a familiar story. Soke wins a challenge, but then can't clear. The ball bounces across toward Matias Pereira, and Rafa Shihos just takes one big swing and a total miss with his left foot. Pereira rolls it in off the post. At first, I thought Spencer Ritchie maybe could have done better, but I don't know how much you can say when, you know, the sequence that leads up to it. Miguel Navarro backs up almost into the six-yard box. It, it just was one of those goals, you know, the game hadn't really been going anywhere, and then it's just one mistake kind of collectively just not quite good enough from the defense, and you're punished for it, and that's just kind of the reality of how these are going to go, especially against a team with the attacking talent that NYC can boast. Yeah, this this league can sometimes be about capitalizing on mistakes, and that's not singling out Major League Soccer. That happens in Premier League all the time, too. I mm -hmm. mean, look how, look how Liverpool punished United seven different times. Um, yes. But anyway. <laughs> so Liverpool mentioned counters, I think, at three, and it's going to keep going up. It will keep going up, yes. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like, it was a mistake from Suke initially that actually triggered the entire thing, and then he wins the challenge. The ball takes a couple of unfortunate bounces, but those are 50-50s inside of your own penalty area, right around there, and you just sort of have to get stuck in and, you know, be careful at the same time and not commit any fouls. Also, for what it's worth, um, a lot of silly fouls and a lot of set-piece opportunities were gifted to NYCFC, and they, and they didn't take – they really didn't take advantage of them, but – um, yeah, mistaken. I don't think that there's anything Spencer can do on that. But um, yeah, it was a clean finish and just sort of like it, you, you see it happen sometimes and it's a, it's a week one type of mistake. I think that that's mm -hmm. sort of what you can talk it up to. So then over the course of the next 40 minutes of the game, a whole lot of nothing happens. The rest of the first half is pretty dull. The first half of the second half is less than dull, whatever you want to call that. And then in the 73rd minute, out of absolutely nowhere, Gaston Jimenez just puts his boot through a ball. And I was sitting behind that goal in the south end, and off his foot, I thought it was in, only to see it go a bit wide, which was, of course, unfortunate. And then in the 75th minute, we alluded to it earlier, Tyler, the fire get their goal. Shakiri hits a free kick back post. Kai Kamara is totally unmarked, heads it back across the six. It is tamely, tamely half cleared. And then Fabian Herbers just puts his boot through it. It takes a nice little deflection. No chance to be saved, and out of nowhere, then it's 1-1. Yeah, and, and and if you're if you're Mr. Cushing over at NYCFC, you're just you're pulling you're pulling whatever uh, metaphorical hair that you still have left on your head um, because <laughs> like that play was something that I ran in Division Three. Like it yeah. was called it was called Big Red. Okay, I'd be on top of the set piece, I'd clip it towards our big six four center back Kyle Herod, and then he'd just nod it back in front of the goal and see if we could create some chaos. Like it is the simplest play in the book, and for whatever reason, uh, it came off. But I mean, Fabi puts his foot through it. Caught, I mean, Luis Barraza is saving that. It's right at him. He's yeah. gonna parry it away. Who knows where that where it goes after that? But like that is a comfortable save for Barraza. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the. I don't want to say it was coming for the fire because like you said, there wasn't really any, they, they put together a couple of decent sequences, but they really were struggling to find a rhythm. Um, but at the end of the day, like we've seen the fire do that before where they can find as much as they can squander leads in the past and squander opportunities. They do find themselves in some games and, and competitive in games that they really shouldn't be given mm -hmm. the quality the quality of play and that's a good sign that even when you're not at your best you can still find a way to, to eke something out even if it is at home against an NYCFC team that's right for the picking at this point in the season where the roster is yeah this is certainly the time you would want to play them and then they should have gotten the winner Maxime Cheneau misses a header that I'm not sure I've watched it several times I don't know how 
He didn't score this. He's standing basically on the goal line. The ball hits him in the forehead, and it loops up and over the bar. It was flicked on, I think, by Keaton Parks off a corner kick, and Cheneau just kind of stands there dumbfounded for a minute as he somehow tries to figure out the physics of how that ball didn't go in the net. The Fire do get the ball in the net a couple minutes later. This is Hale Selassie chipping in, but he and Rafa Shihos were both offside on the previous pass, so that doesn't count. It ends 1-1, and to your point, Tyler, the Fire maybe weren't in this game for long stretches, but I think this feels like a pretty fair result based on what we saw, given that NYC were, I think it's fair to say, pretty wasteful with the amount of the ball they had, particularly in the attacking third. No, I think I think you're spot on. And being in this league now for my fourth year, like week one, everybody's got a lot of adrenaline and it's and it's opening night and you know you're ready to go and the whole thing. Week two is 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 a reality check for for everybody involved, right? Like you your adrenaline and your and your emotions of week one carry you through the finish line, but then you get a better understanding of where you are fitness wise, which is nowhere close to where you're where you want to be come October. Um, you know, from a from a timing and understanding standpoint you're still not there and we saw that from nycfc who were wasteful with their opportunities and such a young squad on the field particularly in the attacking third um which is becoming more of their mo and that's that, that that's what they're going to be doing at the city football group but um yeah and then from a fire standpoint i mean they looked like a team that was playing in their first game of the season and it was cold and it was a little bit wet and it was just sort of like let's see if we can get something out of this game because we clearly don't have our best stuff tonight we're still figuring out what this looks like um, we have a bunch of injuries. There was no continuity in the middle of the field. So let's see if we can scrape together a result. And that's exactly what happened. And I think it's fair play uh, to Ezra in the fire and also to NYCFC who went on the road and ended up hanging on for a point uh, against a, a fire team that, again, can hurt you, particularly at Soldier Field. So um, I, I think both teams will just sort of forget this ever happened, move on. And, you know, by week 20, nobody's going to remember this game. Yeah, that, that, that all feels pretty fair. Again, the thing that is going to be remembered and linger from this game, though, might be the injuries, and we will get to that right after this from Game Time, which sponsors the CHGO Fire podcast, the hottest new ticketing site, which makes it easier than ever to score the best deals to sports, concerts, and shows. I looked up seats on Game Time ahead of the Fire game against NYCFC, saw some amazing, amazing value there. You can get great deals day of any event you want to go to and might be able to find a value for seats you never thought you would be able to afford previously. So check out as we go forward here, the Fire's next home game is in a little under two weeks. Again, it's FC Cincinnati, and maybe you can snag an awesome deal on game time. And if you love CHGO, you will love the game time app, and it is a great way to support us by buying tickets through the link in the podcast description. So join over 15 million people who have downloaded game time and score the best seats to all your favorite events. It is also time for the points bet pick of the week. And given that Tyler, as you might have picked up on, is a very devoted Liverpool football club fan, it is going to be Liverpool themed this week. There is the hat. There it is. Black on black there. As you know, you mentioned Tyler, they did win 7-0 in one of just the most severe drubbings I've ever seen on a football pitch. And this weekend, they take on relegation-threatened Bournemouth in the Premier League. And so we've got a nice parlay here. Total goals in that game over 2.5. That's at minus 195. And Mohamed Salah, anytime goal scorer, he is on fire right now. That is at minus 110. And on DraftKings Sportsbook, that gets you a parlay of plus 155, which feels like tremendous value given the current form of that Liverpool team and Bournemouth coming off a demoralizing blown lead to league leaders' arsenal. 
I'm not co-signing that. I just won't because nope. we because Liverpool will continue to embody the spirit of Darwin Nunez. We could be we could beat Manchester United seven 0 on the weekend, or we could lose to Bournemouth the following one. Like that is simply that, that is absolutely true. And Darwin Nunez continues to be the most chaotic footballer I think anybody has ever seen. You can't take your eyes off him. He's going to be fun. He's going to be interesting, but you never quite know what you're going to get there. But man, for opposing Premier League defenses, uh, Gakpo, Salah, and Nunez do look formidable and. Also, when Newcastle United and Tottenham Hotspur decide to forget how to play, it does open that door up for the Champions League for Liverpool. So we've talked a lot about it a lot. We've kind of skirted around it, Tyler. The injuries, they've got to be the biggest story coming out of this game for the fire. You know, I ran a poll afterwards. We'll bring it up on screen on the CHGO Fire Twitter account. If you're not following CHGO underscore fire, you should be. Bigger concern from the night, poor performance or the injuries and for this poll to end up so close, I thought was was fascinating because it's 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 kind of are you more concerned about short term or long term concerns? And and I would certainly go on the side of the injuries. Jairo Torres, Fede Navarro, Chris Mueller all leave with injuries. I think there was some suspicion about Gutierrez as well, but I think that was just a tactical change. We also see Miguel Navarro just get crashed into in the head at one point. Mauricio Pineda was on the receiving end of a really strong challenge. Chris Brady was already missing for this game. It, it just it it's an insane list to already have for week one of the season. But of those first three, Jairo Torres, Fetty Navarro, Chris Mueller, to you, Tyler, which one should be the most alarming and the most concerning for Fire fans? Because for me, it's Fetty Navarro because of the way he kind of knits the middle of the field together, regardless of who the players are around him. Um, I, I, I think, I think that that's fair. I would also say that like, I I'm looking for reactions of players when they're hurt, um, mm -hmm. at, at, you know, having, having an undergrad degree in psychology, you know, it's just sort of where my mind immediately goes, but, uh, yes, from, from an impactful standpoint of what Fede brings in the defensive balance and everything like that. Yes, that is, that is concerning because there's only one Fede and that was something that when they brought him in that was his lone job and he's done that job well. If I'm thinking about like who I was just like, Ooh, like that really doesn't look good based on the reaction, probably Hiro. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, like, but, but if, but if Chris Mueller is really hurt or whatever it might be, then I think that supersedes all of it because he was one of the most consistent attacking players. Even if the production numbers weren't there, he was getting into dangerous spots and probably on the most consistent basis on the field for the fire last year. So None of it's good. No, that, that's that's the bottom line. None of this is good. But these unfortunately happen, um, especially at the beginning of the year. Do three of them happen to three starters in the first game? No, that's un <laughs> inexplicable bad luck. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, this is this is no bueno. Uh, I, I can't. I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, and you really do feel for Hiro in particular because this is a guy we saw was clearly not one hundred percent last year who had been kind of running out of fumes coming out of Atlas had probably been playing hurt there as they pushed for their first Liga MX title in decades. So you can understand the motivation to kind of go for broke there, but to see him finally, as, as you said, players are saying he's balling in preseason that he looks so good. He looks healthy. He looks happy. He looks himself. Yeah. You could just see the look on his face when he sat down, you, you see looks kind of like this all the time in soccer where a player just knows, Oh, that muscle's gone. Oh, you know, there was something wrong. 
But in that particular case, it, it did feel like, you know, the sadness, the despair was beyond that. It was just it's kind of crushing almost because this is a guy who's worked so hard to get back to the point where he is right now. And then for this to be how it goes, again, hopefully we hope he's not out for an extended period of time. We don't want any of these guys to be out for an extended period of time. But it is just it is really tough to particularly see when a guy's had such a long road back to full fitness to see him maybe pick up another knock. We haven't seen an official injury report yet. We'll probably hear more information tomorrow from uh, Ezra Hendrickson when he does his weekly press availability. So we'll see what the news is there ahead of the fires trip to Philadelphia this weekend. Uh, but before we get out of here, Tyler, I did want to briefly ask you about the work you're doing now with MLS season pass on Apple TV plus the reaction so far from fans seems to be pretty positive that it's been a really good engagement and viewing experience. What's it been like from your side of things? I know you're on the road a lot these past couple of weeks. You've been in D.C. and Orlando so far, if I'm correct. You get to see Seattle take on FC Cincinnati this weekend. Just How are you enjoying it so far in this brave new world we're in of American soccer? Um, loving it. First and foremost, I mean, week one, I got the DC Toronto game, 3-2, 98th minute game winner. Like, you know, couldn't couldn't ask for a better one. And everybody called me afterwards. It was texting me like, what a great first game you had. I was just like, trust me, there's like three stinkers coming my way with no goals. Just, <laughs> just to balance things out. And lo and behold, Orlando and Cincy played to a no-no draw. But Oof, yeah, um, that game was not good. No, no, it was not. But with all that said, this has been, first of all, not being on the call for the fire game felt weird. Like seeing, I mean, in great hands with Kevin Egan and Kinder Dyson Albin, but I'm sure just like Kevin Egan felt in week two when he wasn't on the call for Atlanta, like this is our team. We're so immersed in such a, and like part of that group, you know, flying all over the country with them and the whole thing. Like it just felt strange to not be on the call, but Alex, like this is, this is every broadcaster's dream, right? To be, right. to be a national voice of a league and to be traveling across the country and calling different teams every single weekend and just being able to see everyone go to different stadiums, sit down with coaches. We had a great sit down with Pat Noonan for like an hour um, on Friday, just getting the ins and outs of what Cincinnati looked like. That, like for soccer nerds like me and you, like this is what it's all about. And, mm -hmm. and, and above everything else, this has been an incredible tool for Major League Soccer to have it as easily accessible as it is. The picture quality looks great. Studio Amazing. show is phenomenal. Like this is... This is everything that fans had hoped this was going to be and more. And the fact that it happened so quickly and was put together in such a short amount of time. And I'm not just saying that because I'm employed by them. Like this is, this is groundbreaking stuff, not just because it's a, you know, major sports league in the United States that's strictly or, or almost exclusively on a, on a streaming platform. It's because of how high quality it is and how quickly it all came together. So this is, it's incredible. I mean, my, I, you know, like we were talking about before we came on live, like my United app, is is a bloodbath i mean there's just flights flights, flights. I'm, just like, I'm just never in chicago anymore like my friends in the city are just sort of like yeah we'll see you in november like you don't really exist to us anymore which is kind of like what what it is but that's the trade-off of, of this job it's it's incredible yes. um i get to do something i genuinely love and that really lights a fire underneath me but i do sacrifice my weekends but i'm on the road with a, with a really good friend of mine devin kerr is my broadcast mm -hmm. partner we're we're managing to have just just the proper amount of fun uh post game on saturdays when we're done but it's it's been great so far yeah, and to, to your point, the picture quality, I think I think with not only having had you and Tony Miola on the call, but uh, the crew at WGN, I don't know if, I don't think Fire fans probably are getting like the sort of whiplash that I've seen from fans in certain markets who are being like, wow, I don't, they didn't realize how bad their 
picture quality <laughs> was and, until they saw this. Yeah, for those of you who'd been watching MLS in 720 HP, I I apologize, but welcome <laughs> welcome to the 4K future. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, there's free games, a few free games every week, and the exciting new thing that was reported this past week is that the Whip Around show, MLS 360, is going to be in front of the paywall. So if you're not quite sure yet, if you're on the fence, you can check that out. That's a really awesome concept. I've, you know, as an American soccer fan, the the resources now available in those whip around shows, taking off the NFL red zone concept. Of, you know, CBS has done a great job over the past couple of years with Champions League and Europa League coverage, and there's some of the same people from behind the scenes have helped bring that into Apple and MLS. So that's awesome to see. So again, if you're not watching the fire game or if the fire aren't playing on a particular day, I'd encourage everybody to, to check out what Tyler is up to and what city he finds himself in for the weekend. And Tyler, you know, we're going to wrap up here, but thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy week, out of your prep to come on the show. Hopefully we'll get you back in here in studio sometime when it's, uh, you know, when things are a little less crazy and we've got a little more time on our hands before we get out of here. Okay, of course, thank you to everybody for tuning back in. Really excited to be back with this and hopefully have some fun things planned for the future. If you are unable to watch on Apple TV Plus this weekend, we do have a little bit of news on where you can catch the games. The Fire Pitch at Addison and Tallman will be showing the games live with sound. You can also watch at either Revolution Brewing location that's on Milwaukee and California at their bar or Kedzie just north of the Kennedy at the Tap House if you're looking to get out and watch in public with some other Fire fans. So again, Tyler, thanks so much. Safe travels this weekend. And um, I think everybody will look forward, even though they'll miss you on the Fire broadcast, look forward to seeing where in the world you are throughout this MLS season. Thanks for having me, Alex. Always uh, making time for for you and, and for this, uh, this platform here. I, I love being a part of the Chicago Fire community. And um, I, I just, I, I couldn't imagine covering MLS and not doing it um, hand in hand with the fire. So I appreciate you and what you're doing. And um, thanks to all the fans for tuning in over the years. And um, I will be back on the call for a fire game sooner rather than later. Let's just say that no spoilers here, but it will happen soon. I promise. Absolutely. Well, the fire's next home game is a week from Saturday. That's against FC Cincinnati and the next CHGO fire podcast will be a couple days after that two weeks from today, so hopefully you can tune in then. This has been the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.